Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, dogs, big geeks. I hope you're having a wonderful week. I know that we are all still stuck at home. Um, things are kind of crazy and, you know, people are realizing that their dogs have a lot of problems. Um, I'm hoping that that will really increase our business once we are able to get out and work with people. And I really hope that, that those that are at home and seeing their dogs, that they do realize that their dogs would appreciate some training. They would appreciate some expectations. They would appreciate... Um, just some one-on-one time and some good mental stimulation. So, you know, if you're out there and, and you've not worked with your dog much or you don't know what to do, check out our videos. Check out the rest of our podcast. It will give you some ideas of what you can start working on. And really, the first thing that I like to tell people, if you don't know where to start, uh, start with you and your family. Sit down and talk about what you would like for your dogs to do. Sit down and discuss what rules you'd like to put in place, what expectations there are. How do you want your dog to act when you are eating dinner? How do you want the dog to act when you're cooking in the kitchen? How about when the kids are running around playing? How do you want your dog to act? How do you want your dog to act when someone comes to the front door? These are things that if you don't know what you want, it's going to be very difficult to teach your dog. So sit down as a family first and write down all those things that you want the dog to learn in these certain situations, as well as write down any commands that you may use now or that you would like to use in the future, as well as what behaviors are attached to those commands. For example, sit means butt on floor, down, belly on floor, uh, stay, don't move from that spot until I release you, come, come all the way to me and let me touch you and don't leave until I give you permission. So these are some things that if you sit down and you write down exactly what you want with these commands 
and then you also write down all the expectations that you have, now you're ready to start working with your dog and teaching your dog these things. Right now, one of the best things that you can work on is greeting guests. If there are multiple people in your household, you can practice greeting guests. You do not have to wait for a stranger or a guest to come over to practice. You can use your family members for this. Check out our video on our website um, on greeting guests. I show you how to work with multiple dogs on greeting guests and the breakdown with that. So it's something easy that you can go ahead and start working on so that when your dog uh, whenever you know you start having people over, your dog will know how to act when they come knocking on the door. You can also condition the sound of the doorbell to something yummy. You can easily ring the doorbell and regardless of your dog's behavior, toss some treats. You can do this several times, 30 seconds to a minute, and then move on and do something else. And then you can come back and do it again. And so what your dog will start to learn is that the sound of the doorbell is basically the cue for treats are about to happen. So you can put those treats away from the door. You can set the treats maybe at a spot where you want your dog to be, and that's where the treats come out. You can use a leash to help with this, but it just helps to teach the dog that doorbell means treats are going to happen at this certain spot. So when I hear the doorbell, I'm going to run to that certain spot because that's where the treats are. And so that's another something uh, that you can do for any type of doorbell issue. Now, the thing with this is you have to be prepared that if you hear a doorbell on TV, you've got to be prepared to get those treats out and put them where you want them to be. Uh, so anyway, that's just some things I was thinking of that I want to throw out to you guys. But really what I want to talk about today is talk about some fear. Let's talk about fear issues. Fear issues, um, unfortunately, I see across the board with dogs. And it's really kind of crazy to me that our dogs have such fear because dogs, you know, they are bred to handle conflict. They're bred to handle um, stress and, and they're really good at just taking things for what they are. And I think that as humans, we tend to create fear in our dogs sometimes and we don't even realize that we're doing it. Um, and I think it's the same thing that we do with like children. So I've seen children, say small toddlers, I've seen it to where they have fallen and uh, maybe busted their knee open and it's bleeding and I've seen parents freak out. And when the parents freak out, the kids freak out. And so now we have this kid who's maybe afraid to run and play because that fear of getting hurt. If I see parents to where their kid falls and busts a knee open and they're bleeding and the parent is all calm, then the kid tends to be calm and see this as not a big deal. And so it doesn't impress upon them that it's something they need to be fearful of. You know, you, you talk about or you hear about these helicopter parents that they just hover around and never let their kids do anything. And that creates some real problems in their children to where the children are too afraid to try things. They're too afraid to branch out and get out of their comfort zone. And that's a really sad place to be. And I think we do this a lot of times with our dogs. And, and I don't even think you realize it. So I really want to talk about that fear and, and what we can do to help the dog get out of its comfort zone and be confident enough to try new things. And, you know, you may not see a lot of fear from your dog. You may not even have a dog that has fear. You may have a dog who is not afraid of anything. And I commend you. And I am so glad that you have that because that's what it should be. Now, 
it's not saying that we don't want dogs to have caution. We don't want them to just be running full speed and, and not be afraid of anything. There's a difference between being careful and cautious and being fearful. All right, so let's talk about the definition of fearful real quick, or just the definition of fear. Um, a definition of fear basically it reads as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Um, as a verb, the fear is be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. So with your fear, um, it's something that we all, we all are going to feel at some point, right? But to me, I think that if we can use fear as... Um, a moment of training. So, for example, I had one dog who, you know, really loved to run into the road. Not my dog personally. So what we want to do is just create a little caution in this dog. And so what we would do is anytime we would get to the end of um, the driveway, I would literally be kind of afraid myself and be like oh my goodness oh this is a bad place to be oh let's get back up here and then when we get back in the driveway we would praise 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 and so what I want to do is I really want to just to communicate to the dog that there's something that could cause harm or danger by being in the road and um and that being in the driveway is a much safer place now it's not this fear to where I want my dog to be cowering and freaking out it's not that kind of fear it's it's a level of fear more just caution so when we use these words you know you can say well nikki i mean if you're putting any level of fear it's still fear yes i see what you're saying and i understand that but i do think that we can do different levels of fear um, i have different levels of fear myself i have a different level of fear when it comes to things such as fire or drowning, um, being uh, caught somewhere where I can't get out. Uh, you know, these are different levels of fear. Fear of clowns, different level of fear. Fear of snakes, different level of fear. So I don't have any type of fear that would literally shut me down, except maybe being uh, caught somewhere where I couldn't get out. I'm not claustrophobic as long as I know I can get out of something. Um, but sometimes the thought of uh, going splunking, and if you don't know what that is, that's basically going into caves and going all through caves. But there are so many tight spots in caves. And for me, that sends me a panic attack to think I could get caught somewhere in a small place in a cave where nobody's going to get me out anytime soon. And that freaks me out. That's a totally different uh, type of fear that I think that would probably shut me down and I would probably freeze. Whereas, or panic enough to where I have a heart attack. Um, whereas if you put me in a locked closet, I know that all I have to do is, is get out or somebody can get me out in no time. Um, so that's not really any fear for me. But it's, I think that we do have fear that can be crippling. And that's my kind of crippling fear. And, and some dogs don't have any crippling fear. Some dogs have um, low levels of fear. Uh, maybe they have a healthy fear. Of something like cars we want to have a healthy fear of cars but we don't want them to be so freaked out that they don't even want to get in the car 
or they don't even want to walk by a car, or they don't want to go on walks because that's where cars are. So I'm hoping, I hope I'm explaining this a little bit. I'm not, I didn't come on with a whole idea of where I was going with this. I just really wanted to get on and, and just start talking about it and see what comes up. And I'm really not going to do any editing to this. So you get whatever I'm putting down, uh, which is why you got to hear my old dog barking at something. And uh, I just kind of let him go. You get to hear that. So um, it's really, it's, it's making sure that we don't have crippling fear in our dogs. That there's a, if there is a fear, there's a healthy fear. But with the ones that I want to talk about today, it's talking about those fears that can be crippling, those fears that can really cause some physiological issues or visceral responses uh, for dogs that are so anxious or fearful that they are panting and pacing. Uh, maybe they're chewing on themselves or they are hiding under the bed or in the closet or they're just cowering in the corner. These are the type of fears I want to talk about uh, because they're not healthy. They're not good for the dog. Uh, they're not good for the people. So how do we deal with these? Let's start with uh, trying to avoid the fears. Let's start there because I think that if we can avoid the fears, then we can have a much easier time. Whenever I am dealing with a, a new puppy, um, you know, we want to make sure that we expose them to everything. And exposure is huge. And exposure is about teaching the dog that everything in the world um, is a part of their world. That it's, it's always going to be there. Uh, whether it be trains, uh, big dump trucks, trash cans, um, grates, um, you know, in the road, or manhole covers, whatever you may be coming around, you want your dog to understand this is all a part of life. So if you expose them to it really early, it can make a huge difference, especially if you're associating positive things, where you're giving treats or you're playing ball around these scary things. If you have a dog who loves to play ball, maybe you have a dog who loves to tug, so that every time the dump truck comes by, you start tugging with the dog. So you're associating positive things. Um, and exposure is huge. And this is why now can be a little scary time if you're purchasing a puppy or getting a puppy, adopting a puppy. This could be a scary time because you may be limited on what you can expose the dog to, um, especially people. We want to expose the dogs to people as much as possible for socialization. Um, their first three months of life, they really need to expose themselves to a lot of people. But exposure is more than that. It's, it's about just life in general. And right now, life is a little different. And so some of our puppies that are born in this time, they may end up with some fear issues later on because of the lack of socialization and the lack of exposure uh, that we're running into. So if we start early, making positive associations with everything, you know, giving them a Kong when you're running the vacuum cleaner or tossing treats while you're sweeping with the, you know, with your broom, or maybe you are getting a trash bag out and you have to, you know, make that loud noise of the trash bag. Toss some treats when you're doing that. And it's just about associating positive things. Even if it's something simple, if I'm getting, say, a pan out and I think that this pan may be a little frightening for a puppy, then as soon as I'm getting the pan out, I'm immediately telling my puppy how wonderful they are. Oh, what a good girl you are. It's a good puppy. Good job. Good girl. So I'm not being, I'm not waiting to see how they're going to respond. I'm being proactive. And being proactive is crucial. It's important that you're proactive and not waiting to see how your dog is going to handle something fearful or something scary, or something that might be a little more intimidating. You want to be proactive and immediately start rewarding that dog until it gives you a reason not to. 
But typically, if I have a dog who is fearful of something, I want to change the emotion, not just the external behavior, which we'll get into a little later. But you can see that we can avoid a lot of the problems. Um, even with like thunderstorms, we're in our season now where thunderstorms are starting to happen. You know, we can start out by just teaching the dog that positive things happen. One thing that I've always made a point to do with my puppies is whenever it is storming to play a game or train the dog, give treats, really do something that's a little incompatible of being afraid of the thunder and lightning. Um, and let's be real, it's that thunder, that big boom that's the really big thing. I mean, it even frightens us if it happens really loud, but it's making sure that we're not turning it into something more than what it really is. Let's go back to that child cutting their knee. If you make it a big deal, then now your child's going to make it a big deal. So if you make that thunder a big deal and you start freaking out with the thunder and you start coddling and babying the, the puppy, well, the dog's going to realize that there's something different and that they should maybe change the way they're looking at it. So you really have to be the rock. You gotta be that parent who says, hey, you know what, you cut your knee, are you okay? Let's clean this up, you're good, let's go, let's move on. And if you are doing that, then you're really avoiding a lot of problems that you're gonna run into with fear. Uh, so that's a really big thing, if you can just start exposing your dog to small things. Now, when we talk about exposure, it's not about just throwing the dog in the pit. Okay, so let's start with the vacuum cleaner because I know a lot of dogs have problems with the vacuum cleaner. If I have a dog who is nervous around a vacuum cleaner, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start associating positive things with the vacuum cleaner. So I might bring the vacuum cleaner out and just set it in the floor. And, and I just put it there and I ignore it. And I allow the dog to do what it needs to do around the vacuum cleaner. Anytime I see the dog moving around the vacuum, I'm praising and rewarding. I am not encouraging the dog. I'm not getting on the floor and really trying to get them to see it. I'm not petting on the vacuum, making them think it's okay. I'm not making it a big deal because the vacuum should be nothing more than just another piece of equipment that's in the house. Uh, so you've got to not make it a big deal. So many people want to encourage the dog and talk them into being okay. Think about the last time somebody tried to talk you into being okay with something you're fearful of. Let's talk about haunted houses. I love Halloween, as y'all probably know, and I love haunted houses. Uh, my wife, not so much, right? I can't talk her into feeling okay about a haunted house. I can't talk her and telling her how silly it is to be, you know, to be afraid because it's all fake and they can't touch you and nobody's going to hurt you. I can't talk her into that, right? So, it's just like with the dogs. I can't talk the dog into not being afraid of something. So my job is just to be no big deal. It's a vacuum cleaner, whatever. I'll reward you for being around it. What a good puppy. I start with the vacuum cleaner just sitting there, not moving, not turned on, nothing. And once the dog realizes that the vacuum cleaner is really not that scary, then I can start the process of possibly turning it on. But when I turn it on, I want to make sure that the dog is not right on top of it. Maybe I put it in another room and I don't allow the dog access. Maybe someone is in the other room, they turn the vacuum on. And while it's on for 10 seconds, I'm just rewarding the dog with treats. I'm pretending like I don't even hear the vacuum. Vacuum turns off, I stop training and I take my treats away. Vacuum maybe stays off for 10 or 15 seconds and then somebody turns it back on and I start the process again. I do that a few times and then I move on about my day. Once the dog is comfortable with the vacuum cleaner being turned on in another room, now I can bring the vacuum cleaner a little closer. Not necessarily on top of the dog. 
And always I'm allowing the dog to move freely. So I'm not going to force the dog to be on top of something. They can move freely. Um, you know, but you've got to make sure that you're doing this in the right step so that you're not freaking the dog out. If the dog doesn't want to take treats from you, then it's too fearful and you need to go back a few steps and go as much distance as you can because distance is your best friend when it comes to scary things. Think about something you're afraid of. The farther away it is, the better you are. The closer it comes, the scarier it can be. So you'll want to make sure you start at a good distance. Once you're there and the dog is doing well with the vacuum there, you can move it closer and closer until the dog can be in the same room with the vacuum cleaner. Now, the dog does not have to be right next to the vacuum cleaner while it's on. Who really wants her dog next to the vacuum when it's on and you're using it? So don't make the dog be right next to it. Let's be realistic here. The dog just needs to be able to stay in a room and be comfortable with the vacuum on. Once you've accomplished that, now you're ready to start the movement of the vacuum cleaner while it is on. Again, you increase your distance and you start doing the same steps. Somebody starts the vacuum in another room, the dog can visually see it move, you're tossing treats. And then it stops, game over. 30 seconds later, we turn it back on. 15 seconds later, it doesn't matter. Just make sure that however long you have it on, that when you turn it off and the treats go away, you do twice the time. So if it's on for 10 seconds, make sure the treats are gone and, and it's off for 20 seconds. Let me say that again. When the vacuum cleaner is on and you're treating the dog for that 10 seconds, when that person turns the vacuum off, you take the treats away, it needs to be off for at least 20 seconds. So double of what you've had it on. But always start with a distance. Please understand that, I can't say that enough. Distance is your friend. The dog does need to visually be able to see it moving and make sure that you are rewarding. Now, if your dog is like my Roddy who loves to attack the vacuum cleaner and she does it kind of out of uncomfortableness but also just because um, she's just a Rottweiler. So when she, I know when she is about to do it, I can give her a command for that. Um, but she likes to go and, and, you know, get at it and like almost like a playful way, but also kind of a, I'm going to destroy you way. So whenever my dog does that, I have commands that I can use for her to leave it alone. And then sometimes I'll let her do it for fun. But if you have a dog that's doing that and you don't want it, then you'll need to put your dog on a leash so they can't have access to the vacuum cleaner. At that point, you're limiting the options. You don't want the dog to run and attack the vacuum. This is where you're going to need a leash for that. So just put a leash on the dog and just limits their access to the vacuum cleaner. That's all you're doing with that. The rest of the process is exactly the same. And then slowly, you're just going to be moving that vacuum cleaner closer and closer, but don't vacuum towards the dog. Okay? You need to make sure that you are going more of a... Uh, vertical, nope, horizontal. I always get those messed up sometimes. You want to go horizontal to the dog. You do not want to go right to the dog. Now, uh, as you do this whole process, it may take you a few days. Don't try to do everything in one day. Now, if your dog's not that scared of the vacuum, then you could probably accomplish it in one day, but do it over a period of time. Don't let your dog get so freaked out that he just shuts down and goes away. And remember, if your dog is not taking treats, then it's too fearful and you need to increase the distance or try again at another time. If you have a dog that is 
really kind of laid back um, and doesn't really want to do anything or doesn't do anything bad and you've never done any training, then I'm going to say that more than likely your dog has some confidence issues and some anxiety issues and is too afraid to do anything new. And this is not healthy. If the motivation for your dog being good is because they're too scared to do anything, that's not good for them. That's not good physically. That's not good emotionally and mentally. Um, that means that dog is going to have some other problems. You're going to have, um, you know, immune issues. You're going to have a dog that probably doesn't live as long uh, because of all that anxiety. And so you'll want to make sure that you're giving your dog what they need and you're building that confidence up and you're helping them to learn how to be uh, more confident. And the hand feeding exercise is a great way of doing that. We've talked about that. Uh, training from your couch podcast, we talked about that. Um, but we also um, do videos and, and we have a lot of blogs for those as well. So that's something that you can do to start building that confidence up. It's it's always pitiful to see dogs that don't want to learn and don't want to try anything. And it has nothing to do with their brain power. You know, a lot of times people think, well, he's not really that smart. Well, more than likely he is smart. It's just he's not been taught. He's not been taught how to learn. He's not been encouraged to try new things because he's been punished so many times for doing the things that the humans don't want, even though they've not communicated what they do want. And so you need to look at your dog and we never want a dog to be fearful. We don't want them to, to look well behaved because they're too afraid to do something. And you know, if you have a dog that's been trained aversively, like with a shock collar, this dog may look very well trained, but all he's doing is surviving. He's learning how to avoid the shock uh, because he doesn't know how detrimental it can be. He doesn't know that it can, you know, that it can't necessarily kill him, right? But he, all he knows is that ever so often he gets, you know, this pain around his neck. He doesn't know exactly what causes it, but he knows exactly how to avoid it. And that's not a healthy place to be. And it's not healthy for anybody. It's, and it's definitely not healthy for your dog. So I want you to take these, this time at home and I really want you to look at your dog and I want you to see if your dog is, is healthy in a mental fashion in a uh, an emotional way is your dog healthy um, is your dog willing to try new things does your dog drive you crazy if your dog drives you crazy then that means there's probably not a lot of confidence problems right um, but if your dog is just being so good or just kind of doesn't show much personality then we might have some serious issues and you know a lot of dogs most dogs do have at least one thing that they're fearful of and you can teach them not to be the same way that we do with the vacuum. It just starts with associating something positive and you know, not worrying about external behavior, but really focusing on the emotion that it's causing. And you know, that emotion, uh, that anxiety, uh, the increased heart rate, the increased panting, maybe the dilated pupils, you know, these are physiological signs that, that you'll see how the dog is feeling, the ears laid back, the ears flattened. Uh, so these are things you wanna look for. And if your dog is hovering and cowering, make sure that you're not necessarily coddling the dog. I don't want you going over and, and reinforcing that behavior by, you know, communicating to the dog that, yes, that is something scary, like the little, you know, like the parent does with the little child. You can console the dog. If the dog comes to you and needs to be next to you, all right, let him be there. But you still need to be the rock and the leader to where you clean that knee up 
and you say, you know what, I've got you, I've got your back, I'm going to clean your knee up, and then we're going to move on. So it's not about, um, you know, not being there for them at all. It's not about saying, no, I'm not here. You should be there. You should be that rock. You should always be that consistent leader, that confident leader that says, I've got your back, and no matter what happens, you will know what to expect from me, and I will be here for you. And that makes a huge difference, and that will help to begin the process of building confidence in your dog, as well as you starting to set those expectations. Dogs need expectations for confidence. They need to have um, a rock as a leader. That will help with the confidence as well. And then teaching the dog to think and use their brain. And that is simply by doing some hand-feeding exercise, exercises to help the dog learn. Uh, setting those expectations of how to act when you're eating dinner or cooking dinner or when somebody comes to the door. These are all things that can help build the confidence up. So um, that was just a really touch on fear. I mean, if we really got into uh, counter conditioning and desensitization and talking about classical conditioning, I mean, that gets really scientific and I don't do a really good job at uh, staying on track with that. Uh, I'm just more of a let me talk about it and try to put it in layman terms for you. So I hope you got something out of this of what you can start if your dog is dealing with fear. And I do want to go into more detail on a podcast with fear, but it's, um, you know, it's something that's going to take a little time to put together and make sure that I, I have to do an outline and all of that to make sure I cover everything. And I'm not very good at those. I'd just rather just talk and say what's on my mind and be as natural as if I'm sitting in your living room talking to you about these issues. So that's just the way I like to do things. But I hope you've gotten a little something out of this. Uh, but really look at if your dog is dealing with some fear, let's not allow your dog to stay in that place. Um, let's not jump to drugs. Okay, I'm not really big on jumping to um, anxiety medication from the vet. I'd rather start with something natural if I need it. And if I need something, I'm going to go to CBD. I'm going to go to a full-spectrum CBD to help balance the system out, just to help the dog to make better choices. I like to say that something like CBD helps to prop the door open to learning so that the fear doesn't shut the door all the way. Because once your dog gets too fearful, he shuts down and learning can't take place. So the CBD is something that could just keep the dog um, with that door open so he can learn. Um, but I like to start there. And then if I see that the dog needs more, then we discuss that and we go with something. But I don't jump to it. And I definitely don't jump to Band-Aids like, um, you know, Xanax or Valium. Um, I don't like to jump to things like that, um, like Trazodone, to, you know, just kind of cover the behavior. Because if the dog is is even drugged a little bit, then it's it's masking the real issue and I can't see what the dog's really having an issue with. So I don't like to start with drugs until I really get a, a good idea on the dog and if I need to do drugs to um, help the dog, if I need to do drugs, if the dog needs some medication to help him learn then we go we go that route but we sure certainly don't start with that route. Okay so um, I hope that you guys got something out of this. Um, again, it was just kind of me sitting here talking, um, drinking my water, uh, because I'm trying to cut back on the alcohol, because uh, being stuck at home a lot has um, increased on that, and not being able to go to the gym has not been helping. 
but I hope that you guys are at least, uh, you know, getting out, walking your dogs, getting some exercise, getting your dogs some exercise, but let's not forget about that mental um, and that, emo that emotional state that we really need to focus on with our dogs. Um, they're wonderful, wonderful creatures. I'm sure they wish that we would go home. Also know that this is harder on them, or, or this is hard on them as well, because being home all the time has kind of messed up their routine. Um, if you have children, uh, especially young children, that can create some anxiety in the house just because uh, the kids get loud, they get bored, uh, the dogs are used to resting, they're not resting as much. So be aware of these things, and please take your dog in consideration. They do have feelings and emotions. Uh, they're not human, but they do um, have their own little issues that we want to look at and we want to help them out any way that we can. Uh, if you do have some specific problems or some specific things you'd like for me to talk about, feel free to shoot me an email, info at dogspeak101.com. Also check out our website at dogspeak101.com. We just put it on a new platform, so if you're having problems, just keep checking back. But uh, everything should be switched over. We're trying to make it uh, a little bit easier on you guys. Uh, we do have a ton of videos on there, as well as our YouTube. Uh, those are linked together. And, of course, our Facebook page. Find us on Facebook and uh, just let us know. If you have questions, if you want to want me to talk about something. And, of course, we're available for FaceTime meetings, Skype meetings, Zoom meetings, uh, anything like that that you need some help with and uh, you're not comfortable with us coming into the home. Uh, just give us a, an email or a call and we can set something up and we can help you out uh, the best way that we can remotely. So, I miss you guys. I miss being out and doing our group stuff and all of our volunteers with RI and our, our volunteer training and my personal clients and their dogs and I miss everybody uh, but we're trying to just move on and, and do what we can do and um, I'd love some more ideas uh, from you guys if you have something please feel free to share or, or like I said if you have questions about your own dog you know shoot me an email and we'll see if it can't turn into a podcast or something of that nature um, or maybe a new video we haven't done any videos in a couple of days, but I'm sure we'll come up with something to do some videos in the near future. So, love you guys. I hope you stay safe. I hope you are working with your dog and giving them what they need and knowing that, that this is a difficult time for them as well. Uh, you all are in my prayers and my thoughts, and I look forward to hopefully seeing each and every one of you face-to-face -face very, very soon.